When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin C. It's part of your daily, or close to daily, Celtics content. Proudly part of the CLNS Media Network. As usual, if you're tuning in, please make sure you hit that subscribe, that like, that comment button. We like it. We're very close to that 1K. And we've got a guest today, somebody that long ago surpassed the 1K on social media, on YouTube. Uh, the best radio voice in the non-radio Celtic space. Y'all all know him already, Mr. Adam Kaufman. What's going on, Adam? Well, it's hard to follow those kind words. Other than to say, I can't believe the Royals came to the Garden and didn't bring you along. Like, why weren't you courtside sitting there with William and Kate? Do you know, so I'm not even that upset about that. I mean, still, like, hello. <laughs> That's good. It would probably be bad if you got personally offended by it. <laughs> like, hello, like, where's the message? Like, I'm not that upset by yeah, it. Yeah, like, I understand. Me and me and William and Kate aren't on that great of terms. Like, we sure. don't know each other type of terms. You're what upset a, me more? A Megan and Harry kind of guy? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, they had the right idea and got the hell away, right? Like, yeah, um... they, wouldn't, they wouldn't leave you out. <laughs> they would have brought you. I mean, you'd hope, right? What got me more was when, like, Grant was over in Europe and he was in, like, I know he was in London, which is a bit of a way from me, but, like, where was my message from Grant? KD had a meeting in Europe. Where was my message from KD? Like, all these dudes come over and not one of them hit me up. Like, I know they don't know I exist, but, come on, at least make me feel important. And from what I understand, Kevin Kevin Durant listens to a fair amount of NBA podcasts, too. So, you know, maybe he's in the comment section for this one, for all we know. I mean, it's just, it could be any random person. Yeah. Yeah, any. just a, a complete troll account. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us have shouted at someone, like, you don't know basketball, and in the background somewhere, it's KD. Yeah. Just like, yeah, I do. Tim, man, how <laughs> Wait, you doing? What do you say, bud? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Um, I know we're going to get into it, but uh, waking up to that Al Horford news earlier was just incredible. <laughs> you woke up to that. That was like... I'd already had lunch. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we talked about time difference. Okay, okay. Like, you know, I had a late night. It was, you know, Celtics versus Heat. So I was up pretty late for the game. Woke up, saw the alert. Very pleasant surprise. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but the fact that they got out of the way now, uh, I appreciate it for one. You don't have to worry about that in the offseason, but it, it definitely seems like they're moving forward with the idea that Grant Williams is part of the equation still. I defer to the expert. I have a number of thoughts on it, but paramount uh, among them is that Brad Stevens continues to work in the shadows. You know, nobody had any idea that this was coming down immediately. Obviously, it, it had been discussed. You know, we we knew that the, the Celtics had an interest in bringing back Al Horford long term, hopefully finish out his career in Boston, certainly signed beyond this year. But, you know, figured that was kind of an offseason thing. I don't think there were too many people that were anticipating this was something that could happen in season or even, you know, before the holidays rolled around, that this was like an active behind the scenes conversation. So it, it just continues to uh, really impress me that that Brad Stevens, when when they don't want and and I say this carefully, knowing that what just happened with Ime Odoka, obviously, but when it comes to basketball stuff, 
there are really no leaks in that organization under Brad there. You know, it's, it's not like when Danny was there and, you know, stuff was getting out all the time, whether it was intentional or not. So I'm not even saying like, Oh, you have holes in your organization. Like I think a lot of the time Danny didn't mind certain things getting out, maybe even floated certain things out himself. Brad keeps it really buttoned up behind closed doors has done so with virtually every significant move or even in, in this case, you know, not overly significant, but noteworthy nonetheless move that he has made in his time as president of basketball operations. So that that's sort of the first takeaway. The second is, holy crap, what a deal, like what a team friendly deal for the Celtics. You know, when when I think it was I think it was it was either Sean Devaney or 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 Steve Bullpet, but it was one of the heavy guys that first put something out weeks ago that you know, the two sides were, were, you know, looking at an extension. And when I started just sort of thinking about what will this look like, I was figuring three years and maybe you could get it done for 10 or $12 million a year. But to do that versus having to go up to say 15 or something like that, to do what you were going to have to give him three years. So the fact that they got Horford back or keeping him around for another two years through his 39th birthday, two years, 10 million per it blows my mind. I, I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked that he went for it. I'm thrilled that he did. He's such a crucial piece for this team. This this helps him sort of start the process of, you know, where he was last year to where he is now, which is not far off to, you know, aging gracefully into a guy that comes off the bench. Maybe Grant Williams is your starter going forward, you know, beyond this year. I, I don't know. We'll see how all that plays out. But I agree with what Tim said. Grant's going to be back and they are setting this up in such a way, especially with Horford taking what is a discount to pay Grant. He's going to get his 14, 15 million, whatever it is, dollars a year. And they're still going to be kind of right up there, button against the luxury tax. This just, it, it, it works out for so many different ways. Hats off to Brad, hats off to Al for doing it. And hats off to Mike Zarin for being the, the money genius behind the scenes. So I want to just go with this first. Because I don't want to go straight into the arguments about how much Grant Williams is worth. But we will get there. We will get there. So the first thing I would say for Brad is, do you think, and this is like a question I'm, re I'm curious about, I want, to, I want to pose this to as many people as I can. Do you think the fact that he's so button-lipped, the fact that nothing cliques, everything's done in such a, a professional manner, do you reckon that holds any weight when trying to entice, like, you know, free agents to the franchise? Like, hey, I'm going to go here and, you know, as long as I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be doing, then things aren't going to get out in the press and I want to be able to kind of live that st that side of my life quietly. I guess it it, it matters, right? But I, I don't know how much it ultimately sways a guy. I, I think that when you get to this level, it's about opportunity in terms of playing time it's about chances to win a ring and it's about money you know in, in whatever order individual players may put those in you know some people put no state income tax in the equation you know go to texas or florida you know some people put uh climate weather into the equation obviously boston doesn't bear out well there but that's you know, I think these guys, whoever they are, they all rank them differently. I, I don't know about something like how buttoned up, how tight-lipped is an organization, uh, you know, in terms of not letting things get out. Maybe in extreme circumstances, like the Nets look like a disaster of an organization to play for, you know, and, and to be part of, obviously. But I, I think that's in, in many ways because of the players who are in it. You know, it's not entirely because of the organization. It's it's who you have as, as you know, your franchise players. 
it, it just kind of depends on 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 who you ask and how you look at it. Like, for would Jalen Brown feel that way? Like, knowing that his name has been in trade rumors for Anthony Davis, for Kawhi Leonard, you know, if you want to believe it, most recently for Kevin Durant, as as most people would attribute some truth to. So it and and that wasn't Brad and the Celtics. I don't think that put that out there. I think the Nets organization leaked that, but nevertheless, it did leak. So it it kind of depends on on how these guys would view it. Obviously it's hard to put myself into their shoes. Yeah. And I think that like Brad Stevens specifically in the way that he handles things versus how Danny Ainge handled things, Danny rubbed people the wrong way. And towards the end of his career with the Celtics um, working as Pobo, like it just wasn't, it wasn't what it was beforehand. I think a lot of people were really hesitant to get involved. I can't remember exactly who posted the article, but I remember shortly after he had left, there was a lot of people who came out and said, you know, trying to deal with the Celtics at all was really difficult because, you know, they would get super down the rabbit hole in terms of trade talks. And then you'd never know when they would just pull the stool right up from under you. Yeah. So there's so many times where they would just get involved in trade talks and then just back out or you'd hear all of these leaks coming out. So for Brad Stevens to come in, I think it's made it a lot easier because I think he's very straight laced. He's a straight shooter. Like you said, you know, runs a type chip. He's not going to go out there and give out any kind of information that he doesn't have to. And with specifically with the Nets leaking that kind of information, like you knew it was them trying to rattle the cage for Boston. And it, it didn't end up doing anything, at least that we know of it for the time being. But the fact that the Celtics are keeping everything internal, I think is just another, you know, indication of how professional the organization is. I also just think there's a real lack of BS, which is, you know, it, it, that's not a a dig on Danny because as a general manager in any sport, any team, any city, whatever, like part of the job is lying. Like you're, you know, in, in many ways you are a professional liar and it's just like, it's part of the gig, but Brad to his credit does stay away from a lot of that stuff. And, and I think, uh, you know, what's, what's really fun is, as a fan or media member or whatever, however you want to classify me, the it, he he really kind of to this point anyway telegraphs what he's going to do and and doesn't run from that. Like he said after the finals, you know we're missing scoring off the bench and we're missing playmaking. So what did he do? He goes out and signs you know Danilo Gallinari and trades for Malcolm Brogdon. Like he told you what he was going to do more or less, and he did it. And I I just I appreciate that. Like he's he's not you know sort of just throwing things at oh we could use that we could use like it's no we we need wing depth we need again offense from our second unit he's he's been pretty matter of fact pretty truthful with with the way he has gone about running this organization his new role over the last couple of years and i i just uh i i really appreciate it because it's one it's working and and two it you know it, it's just less crap that you kind of have to dig through I want to see more long term. I want to see more Brad Stevens draft picks. I think that's something that longer term, I'm kind of like, you, you've you done so well with the trades that you've made and you've done so well with the trades that you've kind of passed up on, you know, like choose, like standing strong and not giving up Jalen for Kevin Durant was definitely a, de a decision. It was a choice. Mm -hmm. You And Jalen's playing some of the best basketball of his career. I do feel like, and I've, I've joked about this many a time, like, Brad saw the amount of heat that Danny got for his draft record throughout the years and was just like, no, I want no part of that. Fuck. Like, <laughs> get that. I'm going to trade away. Which All the is insane, by the way, because Danny Ainge was an above average drafter. 
Oh, for sure. Well, like, like, it, it's, I mean, that. certainly, you know, it, was he, you know, R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich? No, but like most people aren't. Danny Ainge was was absolutely in the in the upper tier, upper half anyway, of the NBA in terms of draft success uh, from where he was picking from and, and hits that he had. Everyone has misses like that's that's what drafting is. But he didn't miss when it was most important. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of like, you know, stealing your your point here. But the when they made that Nets trade, you know, that that significant Nets trade, obviously, and, and wound up with those future picks and pick swaps and all of that stuff. We all said at the time, Danny Ainge, like for it, it, it doesn't matter. I remember saying this so many times on 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 my radio show in the past. It does not matter who Danny Ainge takes when with, with these, you know, top three picks that he has or top six picks or whatever, you know, in 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 on his way to getting Jalen Brown and and obviously trading back from one to take Tatum at three and all of that stuff. It doesn't matter, Danny, who you take. I don't even care. All that matters is that you nail the pick. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter who it is. Just matters that you get it right. And he did with the two most important picks that he had to choose from in his entire time running the Celtics. You know, it's 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 easy to like, we can all sort of laugh and, and oh, what if with all that with like, had they wound up with the, the option to take Kevin Durant all those years ago when people said and Danny said he was going to take Durant and not Greg Oden and how would that have played out and yada 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 or you know had he had, had he had the opportunity in in uh well that one was 07 right was uh I'm trying to remember now oh 07 obviously was when they traded away the pick you know the Jeff Green pick to, to bring in Ray Allen and Garnett and all of that eventually but um but there were just you know Oh, like thinking way back, this that's why I was confusing it. This wasn't Danny. This was Rick Pitino, the Tim Duncan situation. Um, point is, like more often than not, with the major picks, the ones that really mattered, Danny nailed them. And that's so it's it's just I don't it's always sort of sent like shivers up my spine that or or a hair across my ass or whatever else that that people <laughs> are constantly on Danny for his draft record when when his draft record was good. I mean, you can look at the order he he got for picking Pritchard. In the late first round, and so many people had like so many draft experts had him completely going undrafted, and sure. then all of a sudden Pritchard is, in my opinion, a luxury as your fourth guard on the bench. Mm -hmm. He's he's definitely capable of being like that second guard off the bench type of guy. And then you know the one thing I'll say for Brad so far is the Sam Hauser pickup just screams that. Pat Riley, Miami type. We're gonna pick this guy up and we're gonna develop him ourselves. I want to see more of that too. But I definitely want to see him make a couple of draft picks. Like J.D. Davison, he's just not going to get the opportunity right now with the way the, the guard rotation's already structured. Sure. And that sucks. So, yeah, hopefully like we're going to stay well with him. Pardon? Does look like he can play, though, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I've been watching him over in uh, Maine, and the dude can get downhill. I did a 4,000-word piece on a scouting report on him when he got drafted. So uh, I have my opinions, but that's for another day. <laughs> Thorough. If, if, if only Brad hadn't let Max Drews go. If only oh, Brad had read my, my, my scouting report. That That's what the, the takeaway is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's not really. Um, so moving on, <laughs> moving on. Brad knows far more about basketball than all three of us combined. I'm sorry. Yeah, by, by a lot. Fair. <laughs> yeah, he's forgotten more than we learned this past 18 months. Yeah. Um, 
one thing I do want to, I want to circle back to Horford because it's the biggest news. And I, I want Tim's opinion too, because Tim's quite quiet at the moment. He's been very passive in his uh, I discussions. Let, I let people do their thing. We have a guest. <laughs> I'm just throwing shade, dude. I'm just throwing shade. One of the things that I was I really... back and, and nod and smile. I don't need to talk. You go ahead. No, no you're the guest. Um, <laughs> so the thing that I'm biggest on, and I've kind of been alluding to this over the past probably four or five episodes, is the way that Horford's changed his offense this year like shooting far more from deep in terms of volume and conversion on that volume is having a career year. I mean, there was a year where he shot 50% from deep, but I think it was on like 0.1 attempts per game. So in terms yeah, of volume, doesn't even yeah. Count. yeah. Uh, and that to me is huge. When you look at the fact that he's going to be here till he's 39 now, like this is proper grandpa Al is going to be playing on that last season. Like we're going to be, five minute stretches with walkers ready for you when you hobble off the floor because you need the rest. But the fact that he can hit the three and he's not going to be banging with guys down low for 82 games, I'm assuming in the playoffs that will change a little bit. That to me makes me feel like he's going to be impactful all the way through the rest of this deal. I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's funny that you say Grandpa Al because it's like he he really is kind of making that transition, right? Like when he came in originally, like his first tenure with the Celtics, and certainly when he came back, it was kind of like Uncle Al to the young guys. But by the end of his contract, like, I mean, there will be like a 19-year-old kid on the roster who he will literally be old enough to be their dad. So it's it's just kind of funny how it all plays out. Like, Deuce will be starting school, right? By the time that, <laughs> like, seriously, like a few more years, but you never sorry, know. Sorry, Tim, I cut you off with your album. No, it's all good. I mean, I, I, I think for Al Horford, the fact is the way that he's adding this three point shot, it will extend the longevity of his career and his usefulness. To me, it kind of, especially when I looked at the contract details, eerily similar to like what PJ Tucker got. PJ Tucker's got a three year deal roughly around the same AAV. But I think for the Celtics, I think specifically with the way that Al Horford plays, I think he's a better fit for what this team is getting and what they need from that big man spot. Um, the ability to stretch the floor has been great. And like Adam said, like his overall volume from three is just through the roof right now. It's Which almost... Ex- I know, I got to specify, don't I? Mr. Taylor, from what Mr. <laughs> Taylor was saying, the esteemed Mr. Taylor was saying, um, talking about the three-point shot there, almost all of his shots are coming from there. Like it's the, the consistency on there. Um, the amount of times he's taken those kind of looks is just gone through the roof. And it, to be fair, it's working. It's working very well. He's very efficient from there. So if they continue to use him in that kind of role, uh, I'm interested to see how they kind of phase him out. I think uh, our esteemed guest was talking about uh, trying to use Grant Williams in that starting spot. And I do wonder if that's something that eventually happens. And I, I would, I'm all for it. Oh God, I love how you kind of said that. Like you were throwing shade, but you weren't throwing shade. You're just like, I, I, was, mean, I actually you... thought about this beforehand, before we recorded. I'm like, oh man, how am I going to differentiate? You should have just gone with thing one, thing two. Proper yeah, like just last names. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's do yeah, that. Just Kaufman and Taylor. <laughs> Make it out. easy for me. Well, I'm going to, well, well, it was funny me. because when you mentioned Adam the, the first time, I was like, did I say that? No, I didn't. <laughs> that was the other one. It was the other one. <laughs> So I want to point this out as well while we're in this bit of discourse here between conversational topics. I, I introduced you as the radio voice, like the non-radio voice of the Celtics, right? And then midway through, you're like, on my radio show, I used to say this. 
And I'm like, dude, you just made me look a liar. So I want you to, <laughs> so I, want you to well, I do a lot. I do a lot of radio, but your listeners, if if anyone you know even knows me in the first place, you probably know me from like the podcast space. So that's okay. That's not radio. You can plug the radio show here, though, just so we so we, so I'm giving the uh the full scope of the sure. Outcome. I'm over on well. I mean that radio show no longer exists. That was Celtics at seven on on the Sports Hub in Boston. But I'm over on. Uh, WBZ and and the iHeart stations and sports director over there. So yeah, we we do a we do a, a fair amount of radio stuff. But that's it's all good. I want a radio show. Sure, yeah. There Let's we go. go. We'll, we'll talk. Um, talk. I'm being I'm being serious at the same time. It's just playing around. I will DM you after this. What if you um, to Boston? That radio oh, radio is worldwide. That's well, it can be can Could be, be a night show. We'll, we'll figure yeah. this out. We'll figure this out. It'll be an early AM show. It'll be the morning talk, morning sports talk, and you drive to work. There okay. So uh, we're, at the start of the show, you mentioned something about Grant, and I said I didn't want to get into it straight away because I didn't want to argue with you about values. I've just asked you for a radio show, but now we're going to argue about values at the same time. So sure. you said Grant around that 10 to 15 million. If anyone follows me on social media, you would have seen I put some videos out earlier today. Like, hey, Horford signs this contract. It, one of the biggest things for me was – you don't have to negotiate two deals at the same time with teams circling around both players. Now it's all the focus on Grant, mm-hmm. what, you know, trying to find out who's talking with him, what the offers on the table are. I've made peace with going as high as $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm completely fine with that. I think he's shown enough off the dribble this year, attacking closeouts. Um, you've seen him kind of run into post-ups and then kind of do his thing from post-ups. He's hitting threes at a high level. His defense and versatility is great. I'm I'm willing to go as high as 20. You said 10 to 15. Where are you drawing the line? Well, so I tweeted about this a lot, obnoxiously, probably, at the time of of all of the, you know, leading up to the decision as to whether Grant was going to get extended prior to the year and, and that deadline. And there were all these reports of, you know, the Celtics are offering 11 or 12 per grant is looking for 14 or 15 per and why won't the Celtics bridge that gap and make it happen and that's what I really couldn't understand because as I've said a thousand times over they cost themselves money and I guess they were content to cost themselves money but he's gone out he's having a good year he's going to continue to have a good year he's playing well in Rob's absence Rob will come back but someone you know Al's going to miss like someone's going to miss time hopefully nothing significant and they have a nice healthy playoff run but like at some point guys are going to miss games they're going to get banged up wear and tear of a regular season all that stuff Grant's going to have his good games he's going to put up good numbers and he's going to get a more expensive contract i just believe this anyway he's going to get a more expensive contract come restricted free agency than you could have potentially signed him for going into the season and it's not my money so I don't care the only you know thing that matters is whether or not he is back and I think if you're the Celtics and you're looking at it and now like now the Celtics are in this position where you know for years and years and years we've talked about cap space and who can you sign who can replace this guy who's an upgrade and blah 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 that like that's not a thing anymore the Celtics are it's a hard cap like they, they they don't have cap space so it's either we sign grant williams and give him you know whatever it is to to retain him meaning whatever some other team out there offers him as an rfa we are forced to match it and seemingly happy to do so because if we don't and we let him go then we have nobody like you can't replace grant that you don't just have that money it doesn't exist so it's either 
grant or no grant, and it's just money out of the owner's pockets, which I, I think, I uh, again, a belief. I haven't like asked Wicker Pags about it, but I think they're just happy to write that check. So it, it almost doesn't really matter like what you or I think as far as like Grant's value or anybody listening to the show, like that, that doesn't matter. What matters is what is another team going to offer him as an RFA and will the Celtics match it? And I believe they will. So that's, that's sort of the bottom line. I think he'll be back. I think that's a safe assumption too, just because there is a really grisly alternative where he walks and you get absolutely nothing. And I mean, you're not going to really get any team to entertain a sign and trade and sign and trades also just get complicated because one team's going to get hard capped. And there's so many moving parts with that kind of deal. And I, I just, after you're looking at this season in particular, especially with Rob missing time, you have no idea what's going to happen with Danilo Gallinari. You, you obviously have Al Horford now under contract, but you have to think about how he's going to age out now too. And how do you manage his workload so you can keep him as fresh as possible for as long as possible. So you're not running into any kind of issues towards the tail end of this contract. You have to consider like, how do, how does Grant Williams fit into that plan? And I think right now it's just a matter of maintaining what you've got. Like, I think you, you clearly have built a championship contending team. Like this is a very, very good Celtics team. So it's okay. It's just I just, I just wonder, um, I, I just wonder if they're going to go ahead and, you know, really, really pony up. Like if it does go to $20 million, do they bite that bullet and just make the deal happen? Because if I were them, I would, but you do have to consider there's still the Jalen Brown deal that you have to worry about after. So like how crazy is the money going to get? And if it does get crazy, what are the ramifications after that? Because who's going to, who's going to have to be moved in order to make sure that Jalen Brown gets his money. So the other, there, the there's a lot too, of ripple effects. Yeah. The other question too, and I, I like, I haven't done this research. I don't know the answer to this question. Is there a team out there that's going to offer grant $20 million a year? I think Detroit are probably front runners there. When you look at what Detroit have got in their roster at the moment, the young, the youth, they've got the scoring, they've got the, the guard, their point guard of the future. They've got their wing and their big of the future. Having bringing in a versatile forward that can just be a free and D guy that fits in with that timeline, and they're a cap space team. In my opinion, they're probably the team that you need to be most worried about. And I, I remember running this by on a show I was doing with um, the heavy guys, Sean and um, Steve, Sean Devaney and Steve. Mulcair. And I think we all agreed that if, if I was the Celtics, the Pistons are probably the team I'm most likely to be concerned about, just because they have the money to be able to make that offer and the personnel that Grant would fit around and kind of be that leader walking in. He'd, he'd, he'd play that Marcus Smart role on the way through the door. Here is the really good thing, though, and I like we've said this, but just to reiterate it, the really good thing here for the Celtics is you don't have to make Grant Williams an offer. You don't have to outbid somebody. You don't have to chase him. You can just sit back, let him hit free agency, see who offers him what, and just match it. Like there's the you, you, you've got the last word. So it's it, it's really ideal in that sense. And the other good thing is no one wants to live in Detroit. <laughs> I've done it. I mean, not 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 right in the heart of the city. I was in a suburb of Detroit, but yeah, I I don't I didn't need to stay there for more than a year. I've seen eight mile. I I know enough about Detroit. <laughs> not not all of Detroit is eight mile. In fact, there's there's actually a very nice part of eight mile, uh, but he was you know, Eminem was not on the nice part of eight mile. 
Tim, you scowled when I said that, which means you either disagree or you think I'm going to offend people. Yeah, like, no, it's just very harsh. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I still, th- I still think of uh, Jeremy Grant signing there too, but I don't know what the appeal is now for them. Yeah, but Jeremy Grant had very different reasons for signing. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, his were very personal. He wanted to play under black ownership with a, a black head coach, and that was completely fine. That was exactly what he wanted to do, and he went there and did that. And then he ended up being moved, and now he's in a good position where he is now. So everything worked out well for Jeremy Grant. For Grant Williams, this is more about getting paid, right? He's in the situation he wants to be in right now. But at the same time, he, as anybody would, you want to be paid what you feel you're, you're worth. Mm-hmm. And I re- that report surfaced a few weeks back saying that Grant never, the discussions didn't even get above that $14 million mark. Grant was viewing himself around that 14 to 16 range. So Grant at this point now where he is where he wants to be, but I, I, is anyone going to pay? But like Mr. Kaufman said, see how I did that without needing to be shady. Mm-hmm. Um, like Mr. Kaufman said, he just uh, you just sit back and wait now and see who offers. But I do think Detroit are going to be the players there. And then he's the also thing- very mindful too. And he said this, you know, so this isn't speculation. He's unlike Al Horford, let's say, who's, you know, 37 or whatever he is. Grant Williams at a point where, he is very mindful of the guys that will follow him as a VP in the players organization. He, you know, he, he wants a, 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 a contract that is commensurate with the market or even market setting for his role, that type of thing. He's, you know, he, he's looking to get paid to, as you put it, paid what he's worth, but it's even bigger than that. It's, he's not just concerned about his payday. He wants to make sure that the paydays of those who follow him are also in line with what they should be. So, uh, very much a, uh, a, a player's guy and I'm you know I'm not criticizing that like good for him you know stick up for your union and all of that uh but that is part of the equation for him the downside to this whole situation is Robert Williams deal really skews the Celtics market when you like if you're like right Robert Williams is earning what is it 10 million a year it's around yeah, 10, 10 12, 12 something like that yeah and it's really easy to forget the fact that that deal was a massive discount simply because mm-hmm. you knew that Rob wasn't going to be able to stay healthy. Right. You were paying him betting on his upside. He was accepting accepting it, betting on the fact that he can overproduce, overperform, and then sign a bigger deal the next one down. But then from, I've heard a lot of people say this, like you don't pay Grant more than you pay Rob. Well, you're not paying Rob what you should have paid Rob. Right. So you yeah. have to pay Grant more than what you pay Rob. But it does skew that conversation, and I can understand that entire train of thought. I just completely disagree with it. I've heard some people say you can't pay Al more than you pay Rob, and I could kind of come around to that, and obviously, as it turned out, they didn't. Grant's such a different case. Grant is, you know, he's a totally different kind of player. He's another young guy. He's durable. He's a future starter. He's not, you know, like Rob Williams in a perfect world is a defensive player of the year. Grant's not that. Grant's not an all-star. You know, he's we like Brad Stevens and and those who have watched him, like we've all kind of called him Al Horford Light in, you know, since since he came into the league. And but that's like good. Like go be that. If, if I mean he'd be thrilled if he had a career like Al Horford's. So that's you know, you're you're just dealing with a totally different entity where you have to pay him. It's just that's that's not even a question. Yeah, and I think Sorry, I think if like uh, Robert Williams, like based on what his contract is, you know, his first year is 10.9 and then it jumps up to 11.7, roughly 11.8. So by the time the contract wraps up, he's getting 13.5 million. And I think that is far below what you're actually going to see for Grant. And I think it's just the skill sets different. 
like Robert Williams is massively important. You know, there's not a lot of guys in this league that can replicate the kind of athleticism that he displays when he's at full strength. But again, that's the caveat, right? Full strength. And I think Grant Williams has been relatively healthy. I I don't know the exact numbers of games that he's played, but I can't think on off the top of my head, a lot of games that he's missed. He's, no, he's generally been out there. I can pull up his game yeah. log, see what it looks like. But yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's just been nails for them. So, I mean, and he ties together a lot of things. He's a high IQ guy. He's a good locker room guy. He helps you stretch the floor. He's a good defender. And he replicates a lot of the stuff that you get from Al Horford. So it makes perfect sense to pay that guy. And you can't, again, like Mr. Taylor was saying, you can't go ahead and just base it off of the market of, well, I paid this guy this much money. So it's all relevant to when the year, like what year you're actually signing the deal in because the NBA salary cap changes and ebbs and flows with the amount of income that the league generates. So just going off of that alone, plus injuries and so on and so forth, Grant's going to be a very rich man, regardless of wherever he lands up. Like that guy's going to get paid. I, I just don't see a reason why the Celtics wouldn't make him very wealthy to stay here. Thank so you so Grant much. Is, as a rookie, 69, and these are just regular season totals, 69 games, second year, 63, which is actually fewer than I remembered. But then last year, 77, and this year, uh, he's only missed one game so far of the 22 they've played. Nails. And this is the guy who turned 24 years old yesterday as we sit here and talk. So he is, you know, he's got a whole lot of career left. I mean, Batman doesn't, Batman never misses a night's, a night's work. <laughs> I've never read a Batman comic and he's laid up in bed sick. Batman's always out doing what Batman does. So it makes That's sense right. that Grant's going to be doing that. Now, I want to say thank you to Tim because earlier I had a, I had a statement in mind and it was a jovial one. It, it had no bearing on any of the conversation, but it went out of my head. And that's why I asked you the question about Brad Stevens keeping Stum when it was a stupid question. But I needed to ask something because I'd started talking. Grant Al Horford is going to be 39. And he's going to be only $10 million a year. I'm going to be 37 when that contract ends. Adam, I don't know how old you're going to be in two more years, but I'm assuming you're going to be close to 30 or mid-30s or around oh, that Jesus. region. No, two more years, I'll be 42. Okay, so you'll be 42. So you're 30. Admit it. 30s sounds great. I'm in. <laughs> you're a year younger than me, right? So you're going to be like 36, 35. None of us are even going to sniff 10 million in two years' time. No, but I mean, I mean there, things would have to change. Drastically. <laughs> drastically. Right? drastically. Yeah. Like winning the lottery drastically. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you, <laughs> and you can't win if you don't play. So, And so many people are like, yeah, well, you you probably overpaid by a million or two. Like, I just find it so crazy how we speak about these like absolutely mind-boggling numbers, and people are like, yeah, you know, forty. When we're talking about Grant, oh yeah, he he wanted fourteen to sixteen. A team's going to offer twenty. This isn't dollars. This is millions. Like, I just find I'm sorry, it's just, just really. You know, I I think you get desensitized to it working in sports and covering sports. It's just you know it's. It, it becomes sort of like monopoly money. It's fantasy yeah. money. It's it's their money. Like I don't I don't I I may know what they're earning. You know at, at least in terms of their playing dollars. I don't know what they get in endorsements and whatever else. But More. I'm not I'm not out there like watching the the checks direct deposit into the account and sort of feeling the reality yeah. of those situations. Yeah, you know like it's that. just it's just a fictional number. Uh, I mean it's a real number, but it feels like a fictional number that we're just throwing out all the time. And and yeah, it's it it is weird for sure, but. Uh, that's that's just kind of what it is, but it it sort of in a more 
direct light. Like that one thing that Danny said, uh, Danny Ainge, when he was running the team, that always stuck with me. When it when it comes to people sort of bitching about player contracts and and what they earn now versus what they used to earn, how out of control it is, and why don't you pay doctors and and medical professionals, you know, like all like teachers and and firefighters and police, not like the you know the the like the the real heroes. Why don't they earn what athletes earn and all that? Like that's a totally different discussion. But the money, while the money is crazy, where I don't even think about it anymore is now I just think about it in terms of like percentage of cap. That's what Danny always said. It's, you know, it's not about, it's not, it's not about what they're earning anymore. Like it's times have changed. We have these big marketing deals and TV money and, and, and merchandising and, and ticket sales and all of that stuff. Like it, it, the, the, the baseline number of, of Jason Tatum earning $40 million. Yeah, of course it sounds nuts, but percentage of cap. What is the percentage of your cap that your best player is earning and your second best player in this world? That's that in and of itself is what makes, you know, a contract like Rob Williams look like so much of a steal is that he's occupying so little of the money they have available to spend across their entire roster. I like that pie chart economics. That's far more palatable to uh, broke people like us. Pie chart <laughs> economics. <laughs> I, too, like a really solid budget. <laughs> with that, I'm going to leave it there. I promise that we'd let Adam uh, be in and out within 40 minutes. We're at 36 minutes. Tim, do you want to let everybody know what they need to do? Please uh, like, comment, subscribe, and share. Um, we're continuing to grow. We are about 80 subscribers away from hitting that 1K mark, so we can continue to invest more and more time into this. So please, please go ahead and do that. Um, and Make sure to also follow uh, Adam Kaufman at all of his socials and we appreciate him hopping on today yeah of course and uh good good to see another Celts pod on clns guys so uh welcome to the family <laughs> oh man i'm stoked Me I'm, too. I'm, I'm being serious when i say that i'm stoked everybody we'll catch you again on monday